This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon. I'm joining you as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Big week in uh, Toronto sports this week, Naz. Uh, Leafs, are, uh, Leafs are on a little bit of a run. Um, good for them. Uh, Raptors uh, finished uh, finished fifth. I think a little bit of a surprising result, but uh, they've been on fire lately as well. Uh, so they've got playoffs coming up. Uh, Sixers uh, in the fourth in the fourth spot. Raptors finished fifth in the in the uh, Eastern Conference. So uh, they've been well. And the Blue Jays are off to a pretty good start. Yes. Uh, well, with the other night, they may go undefeated, Wally. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way Blue Jays fans are looking at it right now. <laughs> but, uh, uh, opening day victory for the Blue Jays. They were down 7 nothing, And then they stormed back. Largest opening day comeback in 72 years in the major leagues. Pretty remarkable. Wow. So, uh, so uh, Blue Jays are off to a good one. They've, they've attracted a lot of attention. And a lot of the a lot of the smart uh, baseball uh, commentators are uh, looking at the Blue Jays to uh, win the American League and go to the um, go to the World Series against the Dodgers. So uh, we're certainly excited about the Blue Jays this year, Naz. Uh, so far, great young lineup, uh, exciting guys. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. They got uh, they've lost a key guy, lost a couple of key guys. Uh, you know, you lose a side duck award winner, Robbie Ray, and uh, Mark Yosemian. Um But uh, they seem to have uh, not lost a step so far, so we're certainly excited about the Blue Jays. Just to let our listeners know, what's coming up today is the first day of spring, proverbial first day of spring, as I call it. It's Masters Sunday, so it uh, uh, should be a fabulous closing round, and who better to talk about it Our our uh, golf uh, commentator, he's down at Augusta this morning. He writes for Masters.com. John Steinbrenner will be chatting with him after the first break. Uh, and back into the hour, of course, uh, the co-host of TSN's First Up, good friend of the Nazimali Sports Hour, Carlo Koliakovo. So get an opportunity to talk about the Leafs and the Raptors and the Blue Jays and uh, uh, Masters Sunday. So, uh Lots to talk about this Sunday, Naz, but why don't we start it off with the Leafs? Because we're Leafs Nation's pretty excited. They, uh, they had a wonderful run, except for a period and a half down in Florida uh, at the Sunrise Center against the Panthers. But other than that, we couldn't feel we couldn't be feeling better. We knocked off the pesky Habs last night, thankfully. Um, knocked off Tampa. Knocked off Boston. Um, you know, um, it's been a pretty good, uh, pretty good stretch for the Leafs in the last couple of weeks. Naz, uh, 
Uh, checked uh, StubHub. I'm going to be a little bit, a little bit facetious right now, but I checked StubHub this morning, and the cost of the seats on the Leafs parade route skyrocketed this week. <laughs> of course, I'm having a little bit of fun with that one, but uh, there's a lot to uh, in their performance in the last. Uh, we'll get a chance to talk to Carlo Koliakovo, but uh, a lot to be uh, a lot to be excited about. Yes. Um, well, sure, Dan. Go, go ahead. Sorry. They reached ahead. 100 points last night. That's a feat in itself. That's how good of a year they're having. Even though they're going to finish second to Florida, they've had a heck of a year so far. <laughs> and talking about a heck of a year, uh, number 34, Nez. Um, you know, there's a few weeks uh, left in the season. Uh, um, you know, he's. Uh, you talk about MVP. I, I think he's. Uh, I think he's at the top of the class now. You know, I mean, it's been him and McDavid and Drysital uh, and who. You know, Josie down in Nashville and whoever else you want to talk about. But uh, AM34, as they call him, uh, they're shouting it down at the uh, Scotia Bank. Uh, they did a little uh, tribute to him uh, on the. Uh, I guess I'm going to call it the Jumbotron. I don't know what they call that, uh, the the screen. I mean, I they used to call it the Jumbotron in the old days. I don't know what they call it nowadays, but the, the, the big digital display. And they did a tribute to him. Of course, he broke Rick Vibes' record this weekend. Good for good for Austin. He, he would have broke it the year before, but for the shortened season. He's been, since he's come into the league, he's been, he's scored more goals than any other player in the league. Uh, since uh, in his six years, I think it's 253. Ovechkin's next at uh, 247, and then there's a crew of guys there: Connor McDavid and Leon uh, Drysital. And but since he's been in the league, Naz, nobody has scored more goals than Austin Matthews. Is there any, is there any uh, is there any debate whatsoever that? Uh, of course, there's a debate. But your thoughts? Uh, on, on AM34 being the MVP, Ness. There's no debate on this year, for sure. He's, a calendar year, if you take his number of goals he scored, it would be 71 in a calendar year. He's closing in on 70. He, he could make John Cooper's uh, prediction true this year and score 70 goals. He's got to score 12 goals in the last 10 games. And you know what impresses me about Matthews is his two-way play. That's the difference between him and McDavid. Adam Matthews is definitely the better player, 200 feet. Uh, you, you, you raise a really, really good point there, Naz, um, is that, yes, Austin Matthews has significantly improved his defensive play. Not that he was ever a liability out there, but uh, he's, he's, he has become a legitimate 200-foot player. And uh, defense, he's worked on his defensive skills, and uh, it shows. Um, another thing about Austin Matthews is, uh, you know, he's being a little, you know, he's big, right? He's tall and strong. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, he, he uses that to uh, break away from defenders and that type of thing. But he's being a little bit more physical out there. He's, his, he's imposing his physical presence on the ice. So um, I echo your comments, Naz. Austin Matthews has become... Um, uh, a complete player in, 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 in so many ways, top offensive threat in the league right now, uh, working. He's definitely worked his defensive game. He's not lazy uh, uh, on the back check. He works his own zone. And, you know, MVP, it's, um, you know, we, uh, you know, 
Toronto Maple Leafs nation, you know, we tend to uh, we tend to look at uh, at uh, the NHL through our our uh, rose colored glasses. But certainly, uh, no question. You look around the league. You look at some of the commentators from the other cities, and uh, um, Austin Matthews looks like he's going to he's going to win it. Uh, I'd be surprised if he doesn't, and it's certainly certainly deserved. Um, Leafs over the course of the last couple of weeks, the nemesis for the Leafs this year, Naz, is you know they played what they played well against the top teams this league. You beat Colorado, um, you know Tampa in Tampa, Boston in Boston. Uh, we got the pesky Habs last night. Should have blown them out in the first period. Only had a two nothing um, lead. Should have probably should have been four or five. Um, those pesky Habs hung around, made things interesting in the last minute when Leafs had to kill off, uh, you know, there are a couple of men down, uh, you know, six on four in the last minute, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, made it made it interesting at the end, but we finally beat the pesky Habs. But the one thing the Leafs have proved this year now is, is they can certainly compete against the top teams in the league. And I guess, um, you know, I guess we've sort of come have to come to the realization that the reason they can compete against one of the top against the top teams in the league is because they are one of the top teams in the league, um, and and they certainly are when uh, when they're playing their game when when the M and M's are going, you know Giordano. I want to talk. I want you to talk about Giordano, Naz. He seems to, uh, you know, since he's come, you know, I mean, you know, you don't know who you want to credit for this run, but certainly the co- the timing is not coincidental. Uh, Leafs seem to have gone on this little run since uh, since Martier Dano came in. Yes, absolutely. That was the biggest acquisition of the uh, season for them. Giordano has been a steadying influence on the whole team. Yeah, and uh, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, he's been really good, and uh, since he's come here, I think they've only lost two games out of ten. So, proof is in the pudding, I guess. Yeah, and uh, you know, the Leafs nation got all you know, like you know, against Florida the other night. Uh, can't remember what the score was. Was it six two five two, whatever it was? And um, you know, Schalgren gave up a really, really bad goal. Uh, but he's played well. He played well last night. I'm not going to pick on him this morning. Gave up a really bad goal in that Florida game. He got injured. They had to bring Campbell in. You know, Florida's you know best team in the league. You can say uh, them in Colorado points wise. Anyways, um, Florida storm back. Um, Took the lead six five, then uh, Tavares, I believe, tied it up, which uh, you know Leafs didn't uh, didn't completely fold, and then uh, had had in- some incredible opportunities to win the game in overtime. Um, unfortunately, they didn't they didn't cash out their opportunities in overtime. They lost. You know, a lot of people look at that game as a negative. I I took some positives from that game. Number one positive, you know, you you're playing in the, the best team in the league in their in their back door in their barn. And you know you storm off, you get a great lead. It's it's the second night of a back to back. I mean they had played Tampa the night before, uh, and you and you know you got a three goal lead against the top team in the league in their barn. You know that's pretty positive. They didn't hold it. They got behind, but they didn't give up and they tied it. Um, scored six goals against uh, you know a team that uh, you know if the Leafs are going to make the march to the Stanley Cup, it might go through. It might go through the Sunrise Center down in uh, down in South Florida. So, you know, you can say, oh, there's those Leafs again giving up three, four goal lead, whatever it was. But I, I'd sort of look at it from the other from the other perspective. They only gave up one point on a, and they dominated Dallas 
on on Thursday night. So overall, there's there's a lot to uh, if Leafs can keep playing this type of hockey, um, tighten it up a little bit. Um, you know, we could we could have a nice. If, you know what? If the Leafs get past the first round, watch out. If they get that confidence boost by getting past the first round, watch out. Uh, this team this team has got enough to do it. Um, if they play the way they can play, the way they've showed, watch out. Naz, last thoughts before we go to break. It looks like the Leafs are going to play the Boston Bruins, Wally. That'll be the fourth time in about yeah, years. You know, that's a psychological hurdle for you know. Not, not how did they end up in? How did they end up beating Tampa Bay in the standings? That's what I like to know. They were so well, far behind. They've won so many games. It's incredible what Boston does every year. Yeah, the you know they got the the leadership there, of course, with uh, Bergeron, Marchand, and uh, and Pasternak, and you know, um, and uh, you know they just they've. Bruins are the Bruins. They, you know, they just—they're a good team. They play a structured game, leadership, uh, and uh, got some youth now as well in some in some key places. Some speed, some power, and uh, they'll be they'll be tough to handle. If it's and you're right, Naz, it does look like right now. If the season ended, it would be the Leafs and the Bruins, and we'd have the home we'd have the home uh, the extra home game. On that note, it's Master Sunday. We've got John Steinbreder. Uh, standing by. He writes for Masters.com. It's a tradition. We always have John's one of the great golf journalists in the world. It's always a tradition to have him on our show on uh, on a major championship Sunday and always on Masters Sunday. And he's down in Augusta. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we realised that our extra-large pizza is two whole inches longer than the so-called extra-large from the big pizza conglomerates. How do they even call theirs extra-large when Pizzaville gives you 18 whopping inches, steaming hot? Because, let's be honest, who wouldn't want two more inches? Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. We all value our sporting heroes. But what price would you put on one in mint condition? If you ask us, you'll get an honest answer. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise is looking to buy your vintage collection of hockey, basketball, baseball, football, and soccer heroes. Come and see us in person at our new Toronto Mint Inc. Gallery, now open at 198 Davenport, east of Avenue Road, or visit our store online at mintink.ca. Show us what you got, and we'll show you the money. Think Mint Inc. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. 
It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on AM 740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, live streaming on the Internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. It is the proverbial first day of spring. It is Master Sunday, and who better to chat with and John Steinbreder. John is uh, a senior editor for Global Golf Post. He writes for Masters.com, and he's at Augusta this morning. And, John, welcome. It's always a pleasure to have you here on, on Masters Sunday on a major championship. It's a Masters. It's known for its traditions. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour has a tradition of chatting with John Steinbreder on a major championship Sunday. Good morning, John. Good morning. It's great to be with you guys, as always. And, uh, Happy spring indeed, and greetings from Augusta National, where it's sunny, a lot warmer than it was yesterday, and <laughs> it, it'll it'll be a perfect uh, perfect day for the uh, final round of this year's Masters. John, you beat me to the punch. That was going to be my first question. There's always, you know, when you talk about uh, a major championship Sunday or a golf, uh, a major golf event, there's a lot of things that factor into the story. Of course, there's the players, uh, there's the course. And, of course, the weather is always a story because it makes such a huge difference on, uh, on, on what's going to happen. And yesterday was, uh, you know, it was windy. It was cool. Uh, not typical. It's, you know, it's a cool day in, in, in Georgia. Uh, and as you, I was just, you beat me to the punch. So why, uh, how's the weather going to be different today than it was yesterday, John? Well, it's, and, listen, and it's right now. I mean, it'll be, I'm sure... A little bit different this afternoon when the last group start going out at you know two 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 ten two twenty, but uh, right now it seems a lot calmer than it was yesterday. And even though the temperature was still kind of high forties when I left my hotel room this morning um, at around seven o'clock, kind of slept in a little bit. Uh, it's um, it definitely feels so much warmer and more comfortable than it was yesterday. And they're talking about temps getting up into the mid sixties. So I think it's you know kind of a nice day for a, a sweater vest and, uh, and and should be pretty good and a lot better than yesterday. Just as far as the winds were really swirling yesterday, they've been um, wreaking havoc with a lot of the players the first couple of days with this. And and yesterday with the cold, I, I know Justin Thomas was talking about it. Was uh, he you know hard to feel. Uh, his hands and get that feel on the club that that he likes and that they all like. So um, of the of the four days of the tournament, yesterday was by far the hardest from a weather standpoint. Uh, Thursday wasn't um, quite as cold, but still that wind has been a factor there as well. I think we're going to have more benign conditions today, which will be great because uh, there's, you know there's nothing like a Sunday afternoon in Augusta when uh, people can shoot at pins, when people can make uh, birdies and people can make charges and though Scotty uh, Scheffler has got a nice lead and he, he's out there he's, there's still some people who can catch him and uh, it should be a lot of fun very exciting afternoon looking forward to it uh, John before I turn it over to my co-host uh, uh, Naz I just want to follow up with this and Naz I'll turn it over to you after uh, right after this uh, Masters is of course Augusta National um, 
course, been around since the early, you know, it was the dream of, of Bobby Jones and, and Alistair McKenzie. Uh, it's been around since the 1930s. Every now and then they, they tweak it. Um, I understand just a couple of minor tweaks this year. They, they did a couple of changes to some tee boxes. Uh, John, um, what, uh, what, what are the minor things that they did to the course this year? Well, uh, the, the two things that stand out most to me, and there, there are some little, some little things, but the changes they made on 11th, very subtle ones, and also on 15, they've really come into play here. On 11, what they did is they moved the tee a little bit to the left. They cleaned out some trees on the right-hand side, and they sort of changed the area where uh, golfers would typically bail out in their approach shots to the right and sort of were able to hit the kind of uh, bump-and-run chip shot that Larry Mize hit years ago when he beat Greg Norman in that uh, playoff, where you could kind of run it up onto the green pretty easily. Well, they they dropped that area down a little bit, so what you have to do is hit more of a – you have to elevate uh, your your chip a little bit more. You can't bump and run it so much, and it makes it a much uh, tougher shot. So, 11, we were looking at stats yesterday that were saying that I think 11 had the lowest percentage of par on the golf course through the tournament yesterday, and that was like 30%, maybe 29, 30% uh, of the people going through there were making pars. I mean, it was really, you didn't see a lot of people landing balls on that green. You saw a lot of people on the kind of right fringe, right front there. So those changes have really had um, a way of making that hole even tougher. It's always been kind of a tough hole, and I think it's over 500 yards. And they backed up the 15th tee some. And as well, and what's made that uh, interesting is that the wind this week prevailing has been mostly in the face of people on number 15. So you're, it's not sort of the, you know, go forward in two um, situation that normally is. I mean, most every player in a normal year and prior to these changes were just, you know, it's an automatic, you know, driver and, and, and sort of a mid uh, iron or even shorter iron into that green, getting there in two. And, and what I was watching yesterday, especially, but even on uh, Friday and Thursday with the wind being in the face, saw a lot more people laying up and then hitting in these sort of 80, 90-yard wedges into that very slippery green and into that wind. So uh, Adam Scott had an eight there the other day. He uh, he um, spun a ball back into the water. So it was sort of interesting to see those two changes are the ones that stand up most to me, and they've definitely had an effect on the golf course and the way those two holes have been played. Nats? John, how many people are, are attending the tournament, especially with Tiger coming in this week? Uh, I have no idea. This is sort of like the, you know, like, like trying to get the uh, <laughs> serial number for the, the, the <laughs> unknown soldier. You know, I mean, you know, nobody really knows that stat. But I will say it looks um, fully subscribed, fully back to normal whether it's out on the golf course, whether it's in the merchandise um, uh, facility, uh, whether it's at the concession stands, it, it looks like a, a normal Masters as far as the numbers of people here. Actually, Saturday was the day they had the final for the uh, Augusta National Women's Amateur. Was this, it was like they had as many people there as they do for any day of the Masters, which was fantastic. They were treated to a great day of golf, and, and that was really special. So, it's like back to normal, but, you know, Tiger certainly brings that rock star element <laughs> to it. And um, I wrote him on um, Friday and, and talked to him after the round with some colleagues of mine about his playing and just, you know, watched the tee off that day and was a 
around him a little bit that day, and uh, it was amazing. The energy around him, the enthusiasm, um, it's got a really, really pulling for him, a great redemption story, a great recovery story, um, and people were um, quite happy to see him here and, and really gravitating to him and toward him, as, as often happens, but it seemed even more enthusiastic if that could be possible uh, with this amazing comeback he did, and um, and he got a lot of the crowds, that's for sure, but uh, the whole area just, there's energy, people are feeling it, people are appreciating it, you know, a lot of the players talked about it. it's just nice after nobody being here practically in 2020 and that November Masters, um, a few more last April, and, it, and right now it seems sort of things are back to normal, and uh, it, it's great. There's just a great vibe, a great atmosphere. Here. Yeah, it's unbelievable how Tiger still drives the needle, and uh, you know it was, uh, it, you know, it was this kind of all came together in the last couple of weeks that he was actually going to appear, and then we all got excited, and then I guess reality hit home yesterday. Um, you know, there was, you know, people were seeing him limping again. Um, the physic, the you know. Augusta is not an easy course to walk, and people have said this zillions of times. If you haven't been there, TV really doesn't do it justice in terms of its elevation changes and walking up hills. Uh, and then what really let Tiger down, I'd like you to comment on, John, uh, on this, is not so much his ball striking, it was his short game. And that inevitably, when you have a layoff, as all golfers know, it's always the short game that takes time to come back and he four putted a hole yesterday first time ever i think in all the years he's ever played augusta and three putted i think four others it was it was a short game that let him down yesterday john your 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 reaction yeah no it absolutely was and the fact that uh you know i sort of get annoyed like a lot of us do sometimes that you know the media and tv and they seem to focus so much on tiger and what about the other players? Man, the attention that's been on him this week is so well deserved. It's so um, it's so rational. It makes so much sense because this comeback is just so extraordinary. It's that big a deal. And talking to him on Friday, and um, you know, you could just he's he's really happy. You can tell as difficult as it is, he's he's he seems at ease. He's smiling a lot. He's in terrible pain. I think I can't imagine what he's going through at the end of his rounds and before them to um, to get ready for it. He talked about it. He goes out and he breaks it, then his team fixes it, and <laughs> then he comes back out the next day. And uh, so it, it's been great to see that attention on him. This is, like I said, an incredible story. Unbelievable but what's been going on. But, you know, he hasn't played. He sort of laughed. Somebody said, well, when was the last time he played this much golf? <laughs> and, uh, a couple years ago. I mean, he has not played much at all, so yeah, you're right. His short game has had its flaws. I think the cold had to have been brutal yesterday. And as he reminded us the other day as we were chatting, you know, I mean, his ankle and then right foot is only part of the issue. You remember, this guy's had, you know, three or four back surgeries. He's had his spine fused in spots. Um, so he's got all those back issues that were a huge factor back in 2019 when he won here. And how he had to manage that and the preparation for every round he played back then. It was a couple hours of stretching and lots of heat and ice afterwards and the heat before. And so, yeah, he has not been playing a whole lot. He has not been practicing a whole lot. Um, and the fact that he's even out here, the fact that he made the cut, the fact that he played as well as he did Thursday and Friday, it's just remarkable. I think yesterday, part of it is his short game is a little rusty. He spoke to that. 
But I think part of it, too, is there's got to be fatigue. You know, this course is very hard to walk. The cold could not have been easy for him whatsoever. A lot of these guys are talking about their hands and just not having the fuel they normally have, which is so much what the short game stuff is like. He said on Friday, and I'm sure it was happening yesterday, balls were oscillating on the greens on occasion, which, again, has got to be a little daunting trying to putt. So I, I think it's a combination of many things that, that you know, kind of raised its ugly head yesterday. And, and Saturday, the course is always set up a little tougher, and it had to have been drying out. The greens had to have been fast as well, or really, really slick because of the wind and the cold. So I think it's multiple factors that contributed to what was a pretty tough day. But, you know, and he hasn't been walking great. I mean, listen, I saw him on Sunday, Monday last week before, uh, pretty up close and walking behind the clubhouse, and he was limping and had a noticeable hitch in his his step then. So I don't know that he's necessarily gotten any worse uh, through the week, but I, I think that it's, it's an awful lot to ask to play um, three rounds in a row out here when you haven't played hardly at all in, in the year and a half or two years. We're talking to John Steinbrecht. John's an acclaimed, uh, world-acclaimed golf journalist. He's at Augusta this morning. He writes for Masters.com. You can check out all of his. He's been writing at Masters.com all week. Nez, uh, your thoughts. Go ahead. John, I need to talk about Phil Mickelson being missed at the Masters. <laughs> You know, it's funny, isn't it, that Phil, Phil drops, uh, drops out, and, and then here Tiger fills this void, so you've hardly had anybody ask the question, where's Phil? Because the Tiger story is so big and so compelling, and I think in a way it's been a salvation that there's been hardly any discussion. I mean, of course, some of us in the news media are asking about it, and we're anticipating these books that are coming out later this year about Phil, and we're wondering whether he's going to be at the PGA Championship in May and at Southern Hills, and, and we wonder, you know, what is going on. The rumors are rampant about all the things affecting him, and you know, so who knows? But I think the average golf fan and the average person uh, and the and the patrons here at Augusta National are so locked in on Tiger. Uh, Scotty Scheffler's been such a great story, so I have to tell you. You know, Phil's been a little bit of an afterthought here, and, it, and this has been great for, I think, the tournament. I think it's been great for golf, not to be having that the main story. And we're, I think, a lot of ways, I'm very glad he's not here because we can focus on the golf tournament and other stories like, you know, Tiger Woods, of course, but Scheffler and Cameron Smith, who's yep. just fabulous to watch. And uh, but I think I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say as that, that Phil's really kind of. He's very out of mind on a lot of people right here right now with all that's been going on, everything else that's been going on at this tournament. Uh, we do have a golf tournament, and we've got a, and it's, uh, as they say, the Masters starts on the back nine on uh, AM, on Amen Corner. So uh, we've got, uh, let's, let's talk about a little bit about what might happen this afternoon. Um, John, um, well, as you said, Scotty Scheffler, uh, number one in the world. And Cameron Smith, they have been the two hottest golfers on the planet for the last uh, little while. Uh, they are going to be in the final group together. It should be a compelling day of golf. Uh, um, John, how do you uh, how do you see the day playing out? Well, I think the way we're I agree with you. It, is, it should be a very compelling day of golf. We have number one in the world, and and we have uh, a guy in Cameron Smith who's just you know, been playing brilliantly as well. And so that it's really it's a perfect pairing, it really is. And I think you know Cameron Smith could just rip out birdies like crazy. 
Scotty's very steady, although he faltered a little bit yesterday. But he's a real chill guy. He's been playing great. Um, so I think, you know, kind of looking at it, that's where I think the winner's going to come from, one of those uh, from that final group. I mean, him is, you know, at, at four under, he's back uh, five shots. That's awfully big. you got Lowry and Schwartzel among the, you know, tied for fourth at, at, at two under. So there's seven shots. And, and they both talked yesterday about, well, you know, it takes 65, 66, and a little bit of faltering on, on Shuffle's part for one of them to make a run. So I really think the focus is going to be on him and uh, Scotty and, and Cameron. And, you know, we'll see how Scotty closes. I mean, remember, he hadn't won a PGA Tour event until earlier this year, just, you know, in February. So this is, uh, even though he's good, even though he's very good, he's number one in the world, this is still pretty new territory for him. And he, he limped in a little bit yesterday. He was 11 under at one point, came in at 9 under. So, you know, good on him there. And he made a, just a remarkable bogey, I believe it was, on 18, that, you know, things could have gotten really ugly in a hurry. So um, we'll see how he handles the pressure, see how he handles um, sleeping on this nice lead and, uh, and how he handles the atmosphere today because it is going to be electric. Nest? John, I have to ask you a question. You know how golfers have swing coaches? Are there any putting coaches out there? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> there are a lot of them out there, and there's some great ones. And I don't know that uh, either Scheffler or Smith need one so much right now. but uh, I need one. I need one. Oh, gosh, we, we all need one. No, it, yeah, of course they do. And it, it's such a big part of the uh, such a big part of the game, and especially a big part of the game out here. But, you know, and that's the thing about Cam, Cameron Smith that's going to be interesting with him just three shots back is that he can he can um, he hits the ball beautifully. He uh, he just is brilliant iron game, and he can really uh, he can really play his uh, his flat stick well. So he's got a real shot at at this because he can make a birdie and, and make several birdies. We've seen it happen here before with him. Uh, we're talking to John Steinbrenner. John, uh, just before we let you go. Uh, Corey Connors, the Canadian. Uh, is this seems to seems to Augusta seems to agree with him. So uh, he's finished eighth last year, tenth. He's thirty second in the world, and uh, looks like he's in the top ten again. John, uh, your thoughts on Corey Connors? Well, you know, I actually wrote him the other day, um, and I really enjoyed my conversation with him. I'd never spoken to him before. He's a very nice young man, as you guys know, up there in uh, in Canada, and he's a very impressive player. He does well here, and he, you know he's one under par, so he's tied for six. And it, it's it may be a bridge too far. That's eight shots he's got to make up here, but he's he's a really impressive player, and he he does love it here. He feels very comfortable here, and um, I think he's you know he, he may be in the mix for the top three or four. Winning it is going to be tough, but I, you know you can see him winning it here one year because he just feels so good on this golf course and and seems to have the game for it and the mental makeup too to handle it and and handle the way this course. Uh, you know, play. Uh, we've been talking to John Steinbretter. John's down at Augusta. John, I know it's a work day for you. We thank you very much for keeping our tradition going. Uh, it's always it's always a privilege to talk to you on a major championship uh, Sunday, and an even bigger privilege to talk to you on Master Sunday. It's been a late spring so far, but uh, the excitement of Master Sunday has got uh, has got everybody in uh, the Northeast uh, getting ready for the golf season. John, we uh, we can only thank you. And uh, we thank you so much for uh, 
for your time this morning. Have a fantastic day. John, thank you. Thanks, guys. Great fun being with you both. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, All right, cheers. Thanks, John Steinbrenner. Uh, it's time to go to break. We'll be right back with the co-host of TSN's First Up, Carlo Coliacobo. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville declared, We'll never be the fastest! We'll never be the cheapest! We'll never be the snazziest dressed! What? Yeah, my point is, we want to be the best! At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza, stone-baked, the traditional Italian way. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza, fiercely Canadian, authentically Italian. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. We all value our sporting heroes. But what price would you put on one in mint condition? If you ask us, you'll get an honest answer. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise is looking to buy your vintage collection of hockey, basketball, baseball, football, and soccer heroes. Come and see us in person at our new Toronto Mint Inc. Gallery, now open at 198 Davenport, east of Avenue Road, or visit our store online at mintink.ca. Show us what you got, and we'll show you the money. Think Mint Inc. Last minute of play in the game. Unlike sports, the outcome of palliative care isn't determined in the dying seconds. Physically, socially, and spiritually, palliative care is giving someone the best quality of life for however long life remains, while supporting their loved ones. All services are free of charge with partial government funding. The need for palliative care is great. Making an impact is the newly opened Hospice Vaughn Mario and Nick Cordellucci Hospice Palliative Care Center of Excellence. A truly amazing 10-bed residence, the first palliative care hub in Vaughn. If you share the belief that everyone deserves to live until they die, get involved. Volunteer your time or donate to hospicevaughn.com. We are for community, by community. And together, we are here to serve. Opinions expressed on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on AM 740 in Toronto, 96.7 FM, and live streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, the co-host of TSN's First Up, Monday to Friday at 6 to 10 a.m., former Toronto Maple Leaf, Carlo Koliakovo. Carlo, good morning. How are you? 
Good morning, guys. Uh, I'm uh, doing very well this morning. Excited for this Sunday. You got Masters coming up. You know, you're reflecting on the Leafs and the Raptors season, and I'm playing golf tomorrow, so I'm pumped. <laughs> we just, we just, I knew, uh, we just, we figured uh, Carlo and I were joking around the other day. I said we better get Carlo on this Sunday because this may be the last opportunity we're going to get you for a while. Because you, uh, well, let's Sunday, hope not. But yeah, you make yeah, a good well, point. Sunday morning tends to be your uh, tends to be your uh, your your time on the link. So uh, we may have to get you in a in a parking lot just before you're teeing off uh, on, on, well, on Sunday. Well, we'll try to make some time. We'll <laughs> okay, but. Uh, well, one thing we're going to do if the, somehow the Leafs make it make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, we're going we're going to make sure that uh, one way or another we get we get John if not sooner than that. no problem, man. Carlo, no problem. we just had a, we just had a spirited discussion about golf uh, with John Steinbretter, who's down at Augusta this morning. Uh, mm. I know that you're a huge golf guy, as you say. The courses, uh, the Cubling courses, are opening tomorrow, and a lot of the golf courses in Southern Ontario are opening tomorrow. Uh, you're a passionate golfer. You uh, you watch golf. Uh, what do you what do you what do you think's going to happen this afternoon? Well, considering uh, earlier in the week, my predictions were it was either going to be Scotty Scheffler or Cameron Smith. Um, You're looking pretty I'm, good. <laughs> uh, I'm feeling pretty good about today. Obviously, uh, I'm happy that Scheffler didn't break away from the field yesterday because it would have made uh, or it have created a, a very unentertaining su- Sunday. Um, I do like the the second uh, the back nine surge that Cameron Smith created, and look, this Cameron, Cameron Smith's a guy that can really get hot. Um, he's shown that he can get streaky on this golf course, um, especially on the first day when he um, double bogeyed the the front and back end of his of his um, of his card. But you know, he had eight birdies in between. So uh, Scheffler struggled in the back nine yesterday, which you know allowed there to be a three shot gap. And I think those two guys paired together today with the pressure of winning the green jacket might create the excitement that we all want. Um, I think going into the event, it was all about Tiger Woods. And I think it's been absolutely amazing to watch him compete again. Um, You know, to watch him, you know, on day one, shoot under par. And then obviously like all the other golfers have experienced in the next, in the last two days, the the weather has played a factor in in scoring and stuff like that. And I, I believe the weather is going to be better today, so better conditions for guys to score well. Um, I just, I just hope that you know we we see some dramatics. Uh, we see a close matchup between Smith and, and Scheffler, and maybe there's a guy that comes out of nowhere and makes it even closer. So, uh, regardless how it is, I think the exciting part about today is you're going to hopefully see um, the winner um, of this tournament if it's Smith or Scheffler win their first green jacket. And I always leave. I always love seeing stuff like that where. No, we witness first. Uh, Nez, I'll uh, turn it over to you. Carlo, does Austin Matthews win the MVP this year? I think it's uh, it's the the easiest answer you could probably come <laughs> up with right now. I mean, how do you not give it to this guy? Um, you know, it's it, I, I'm I'm to be honest with you, I'm I'm coming up with a, a loss of words to describe this guy on a daily basis because he's just so incredible. Um, you know, scoring yesterday 51 and 50, um, you know, as a kid who's, what, 25 years old, I mean, that's unheard of in the NHL. I know when I played with older guys back in the day, great guys back in the day, like a Matt Sundin, I think, I think you know, with the argument right now is people are calling him the greatest league of all time, and 
and, and I, to be honest with you, I, I, I backed that up 100% because I played with one of the least greats in Matt Sundin, and I think there's nothing against Matt Sundin or the other greats that played the game, like Daryl Sittler, Doug Gilmore, Wendell Clark, um, you know, you name it, of the guys that are considered Maple Leaf greats. I don't think anybody who played with those guys walked into every game they played knowing that their, that, that player was going to score a goal. And I think that's, that's the great thing that we're watching about Austin Matthews is he's that good. He's that good where the teammates in the room are going into every game believing that Matthews is going to score. And in, in, in the NHL, you know, as, as much as there's great players in the league, that is a hard thing to do on a nightly basis. You know, playing against different players, different matchups, goaltending, you name it. And he's just doing it with ease. And, and, and what makes him so great, too, is that he's not just a one-dimensional guy that you would normally see with goal scorers that put the puck in the net. He's a guy that's dominating all areas of the ice, both offensively and defensively. So, I mean, he was my, he was my winner a month ago, and I think he's okay. just sealed the deal for the Hart Trophy right now. Uh, Carlo, I got I to gotta, I gotta follow that one up. Um, um, this whole debate about Austin Matthews being the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf of all time. Uh, and this is not to take away from uh, Matthews. I, he may, in fact, be the greatest skilled Toronto Maple Leaf of all time at this mm-hmm. point in time. But until he puts the lead, until he carries this team on his shoulders and, and on a playoff run, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm going to hold back my uh, my assessment on that one. For me, the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf of all time. We're Naz and I are a little bit older than you. We're on Zoomer yeah. Radio. Uh, for me, the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf of all time is David Keon, and it's going to take mm-hmm. a lot to knock him off that perch. But there's no question in my mind that Austin Matthews uh, is certainly in the debate. Uh, but I think it's a bit premature, and I'll leave it at that. But certainly skill-wise, I don't think I've ever seen a Toronto Maple Leaf with, that, and, and, with and, the and level look, of I mean, skill this... that Austin Matthews has. But, Austin, take us to the promised land, and uh, then maybe you'll knock Mr. Keon off, uh, off look, of my perch. That's, that's the fair thing about this discussion is everybody's going to have their own opinion about it be based on, you know, age, who you saw watch play and, you know, perspectives on it. And yes, obviously playoff success is going to, at the end of his career, is going to play a huge role in where people um, place him in, in, in all-time history. But, you know, to think that he could potentially score 60-plus goals, maybe even reach 70 um, in a season. I think one of the things we really have to appreciate about Austin Matthews is that this isn't something that has caught us by surprise. He entered his rookie season scoring 40 goals. And he's been on, he's, he's actually scored 40 goals every year he's played. Uh, potentially could have scored 50 if there wasn't shortened season. So when I'm talking about greatest leave of all time, it's, it's, it's the production. And I think his all around game will, will ultimately um, you know, put his place in Maple Leaf history once it's said and done. But yes, that that's the unfair thing right now when discussing this Maple Leaf team right now and how great it is and how great of a season that they're having. Because let's be honest, we could potentially be watching two <laughs> players on the Maple Leafs record 100 points, and that's unheard of. But there's always going to be that, that question about playoff success, and this team has to find a way to have it. And this group has to find a way to have it. And 
as much as we all want to hope and believe it's going to be this year, it's not going to get any easier for them yeah, no the way the last two years went. Yeah, no question about that. Naz? How much does Evander Kane mean to Edmonton turning it around and making the playoffs? Um, look, I, I don't want to necessarily point it and, and give all the credit to one player. I think uh, a guy like Evander Kane coming in has um, given them another asset. Um, you know, it was it was you know cost certainty for sure based on some of the the, the criticism that he came in with um, leaving San Jose. But I think a huge factor to their turnaround has been obviously one the coaching change, um, and two they've been getting stability in net. I mean, the same thing that people in, in Toronto were were up in arms about a month ago about this team's goaltending you know, potentially being the worst in the league. And look, the stats showed that it was. But when Shalgren came in, a kid out of nowhere, and just went in there and made saves, I think that really proved to everybody who watched this team that you don't really need elite goaltending to win. You just need a guy to go in there and, and make saves because the, the team that you assembled in front of them is is clearly capable of beating anybody in the league. But they need that knowing that they can count on a guy to make saves in the net. And I think... Mike Smith getting healthy, Miko Koskinen, uh, you know, finding um, you know uh, confidence in his game, uh, you know, to, to 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 show some consistent performance back there. Then getting healthy on the blue line with Duncan Keith coming back, and Drysaddle and McDavid just playing at another level. So I think I think it's a combination of of all three of those things that I just mentioned. The addition of Evander Kane has been a good one because you know here's a guy that came in with so much baggage. And he's still shown that he can score goals, but I, I wouldn't necessarily point um, or at least credit the, the success that they're having based on him being there or not. Uh, talking about uh, success in the playoffs, um, Carlo, let's, uh, I mean, we know what we have up front, but Leafs' success in the playoffs is likely going to be directly related to what happens on the back end, the goaltending yeah. and the defense. Let's talk about the defense first. I think your top four defense on the Leafs are pretty well set in stone. Riley, Brody, Giordano, and Muzzin. Then you got four others to choose from. Hole, Sandine, Lilligren, and uh, Labushkin. Um, mm-hmm. So we know which four are going to be there. Who are you going to pick out of the are we, uh, who are you going to pick out of the other four or, or is Keith going to alternate uh, in and out? From from the bottom four, and then you've got the one guy Labushkin that you 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 commented upon. Um, pretty tough to take out a lineup, although he, he, I think he was yeah. at the other night. Ten hits last night. Yeah, uh, not not, well, many, not many Toronto defensemen <laughs> with with that stat in the recent past. So, yeah, Carlos, well, tell, tell us tell us who who keeps going to be going in his uh, to fill out the lineup, or is it just going to be uh, a, a five and six by committee? Well, Wally, it's a great question around Leafland, and it's a good question and a good problem to have when you have depth on your defense because my biggest criticism of this Maple Leafs defense when the season started is that they didn't have enough of it. I mean, when Timothy Lilligan was your seventh defenseman, um, you knew your team was in trouble. Um, and so I think Kyle Dubas has done a, uh, an amazing job filling out the holes on the defense. I mean, especially with a guy like Ilya Labushkin, who – Nobody really knew about coming in and has done, an, I think, an unbelievable job 
fitting in with this group because of what he does. And what he does isn't much, but what he does is exactly what you need. A guy that is just simple, very steady, and plays physical. And he's found a nice role right beside Morgan Riley, allowing Morgan Riley to excel in his game, which is what you need. And I mean, I don't like to you know point out the obvious, but the one game he didn't play, they gave up seven goals. So against the Florida Panthers, so you know he's a guy that I definitely do not believe should come out of the lineup just because of the presence that he represents with physicality and steadiness, and. You know, when people were criticizing this goaltend, this goaltending, I was a guy that was just staying very calm about it because I said, stop worrying about the goaltending. The goaltending is going to be fine because those are the guys you're going to run with. Fix the defense in front of the goaltending to make the goaltending easier. And that's what they've done. They brought in Labushkin. Jake Muzzin has gotten healthy, but this team has found a, 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 you know, a way to play and a confidence without Jake Muzzin in the lineup. And it's allowed everybody to play in a, or to at least establish a role for themselves. So when you when you mentioned the four guys, you know you said Muzzin, Brody, Giordano, and Muzz, or, and um, and right. uh, and Riley. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily categorize those guys as the top four guys. I mean, you have to include Labushkin in there because he's a guy that can play a shutdown role and give you good penalty kill minutes. And I think, you know, the guys that, you, that you're that you probably going to rotate in and out are going to be Hall and Lilligren. But even when you're doing that, you know, if, you're, if, if, if your uh, priority is to win hockey games, unfortunately, and I've played through it, you've got to go with a veteran guy. And Justin Hall has proved he's a veteran guy. So the way I would, you know, uh, at least um, construct this group of six is you keep Riley and Labushkin together. Um, they want to keep Muzzin in the top four, which I'm not necessarily a fan of, and play him alongside Brody. And you keep Giordano with Hall. But those guys can be interchangeable as well, too. You can move Muzzin down with Hall and have them as the bottom pair of guys, and you keep Giordano and Brody together, A guy that two guys that have shown they have great chemistry. And look at how great Giordano has fit in with this group. I mean, for a guy that's going to be 39 years old, doesn't play like his age, but he's brought so many important intangibles to this team both with steadiness, physicality, you know, veteran leadership, and just a calming influence back there for everybody to play the way they need to play. And so when you have those options and then the two guys on the outside looking in right now are Sandy and Lilligren waiting for their chance to come in, I think they're they're set up pretty good as a group of eight. Uh, got a couple of minutes left. Uh, shortly we're going to hit the, uh, the witching hour, 10 o'clock. Carlo, I know, I know you know what uh, dead nines are like and when the producers uh, – chirping your ear. Uh, but Naz, a uh, couple of minutes left. Uh, I'll turn it over to you. Are you ready for a Boston-Toronto series, Carlo? You know what? I, I am and I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I hate seeing I hate seeing the same teams play every year, and that's why I hate this playoff format, because I like seeing new matchups. But I am prepared to see it, too, because it gives the Maple Leafs a chance to eliminate so many demons of years past and so many scars that the Boston Bruins have left them through playoff losses. So uh, what better way to get your first playoff win in 18 years than beating a team that has been credited for so much misery. So, and I think they match up well against them, Um, you know, especially, you know, with the forwards, the way the defense is built and, you know, goaltending, especially you got no Rask back there. You got two guys in Boston that are, rookies and there's no Zidane Chara either on the back end so um you know it'll be a favorable matchup but hey uh, you don't want to 
I don't want to count my blessings too much. They've had two favorable matchups the last two years and found a way to, to fail. So well, I think the, the best thing the Maple Leafs can do is just put themselves in the best position to have success. And, and the way to do that is just start with home ice. Yeah, the that's uh, bottom line is they're going to have to beat some really good teams. It doesn't matter right. whether it's Tampa or Boston. And if you want to be the best, you gotta you got to impose your will on the other team. Uh, before we let you go, Carlo, how about them Blue Jays? Oh, man, how exciting are they? You know, I sent out a tweet the other night saying, we at Toronto's fans are spoiled right now uh, with excitement because you got the Jays who came back from 7 nothing down in the home opener, and, man, they are in pace and have an incredible year. you got the Leafs who are playing some incredibly exciting, exciting hockey. And you got the Raptors, too, who just – they could be down by 20 points and it doesn't really matter to them. They just find a way to come back. And it's been a hell of an exciting season that they've had too. So uh, I'm excited for this Blue Jays team uh, on what they could potentially do this year. And it'll be fun to watch them uh, throughout the season. Fantastic. Carlo, Carlo Kuliakovo. He's the co-host of TSN's first up Monday to Friday, six to 10 AM. Give him a listen. It's fantastic. Sports talk radio. First thing in the morning, Carlo, we're going to wish you the best on the, uh, on the links this year. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I don't know what your handicap is, but I hope it's. Uh, it's a, I hope, I hope your I'm index goes down. Starting this year as a nine. <laughs> wow, you you and I would be competitive then. We gotta we gotta lace them up at some point. Anyways, I on that it. note, Carlo, thank you so much. Naz, we got uh, ten seconds left. Last word. Naz, that's the last time. I'll I'll say Naz's yeah. last word. Have for a great you. day, boys. Have a Thanks, great day, Carlo. I'll, I'll say the last word. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks yeah. to all our listeners. Have a fantastic week. Be safe. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Go Leafs go. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.